Hello and welcome back to Reeling in the Piers, where we chat about and discuss all sorts of movies. My name is Gary O'Brien, and for today's episode of Classics with Keen, Keen and I are talking about the 1961 epic historical drama El Cid. So stick around, we hope you enjoy. Hello! How are you? Hello, how are we? Are we well? We're well now, yeah. How do? How do do? How do do do? Do well. Sorry, I've moved my laptop now. That'll you have moved your laptop, the, uh, yeah. No, it's very important that you always make noises as you're talking. That's that's what I've learned in show business. I think this is episode bottles. 99, perhaps. So, like, you know, it's taken me this long to realise those sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure, look, if you didn't have me, you'd have no one to complain about. That's true. I guess. <laughs> no, I don't think so, Keith. I think I'd still have a chance to be able to complain about El Cid. Oh, so you're just going to hit it right there. You're going to you're, nah, you're just nah, going to nah. start her, yeah? Yeah. Do you want to know something? And I, we, we've been we've been we've been having a bit of a riffing bit uh, bit before the podcast, and I have been very coy about give, telling you my opinions on El Cid. But do you want to know something? Again? I think this is my favorite classic with Keen. No way, really. I think so. I and I think it's because. So when we did the searchers and the bridge on the river Kwai and then whatever one was before that, the quiet man, we had gone in with, they were done by Oscar winning directors. They had been nominated for best picture. It was all this like hype around it. And I was watching it and I was kind of like, yeah, it's grand, whatever it's supposed cool. Yeah. And there's bits I liked. Whereas this went in, I went in with like very low expectations because I imagine most people listening to this either are one of the three people in the world that have seen El Cid born after the year 1970. <laughs> or they're just interested to hear our thoughts on it. And I guarantee you they haven't seen it. So I knew nothing of this movie when you suggested it. And I watched it with no expectations. And I came away having a grand old time with it. I'm I had a shocked. fun time with this movie. It is shocking, isn't it? I'm I had shocked. a great time. Yeah. Like, arguably, okay, I don't think it won anything. Like, I love it. Very I love good. it. I love it. But... At the same time, I don't think it won anything, but at the time it was made, I think it's coming off the back of like Spartacus and Ben Hur, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And so, like, mm-hmm. it was. I actually came out of this movie with a lesser opinion of it. So, we're on opposite sides for once. Yeah. So, uh, that's, good. that's a bit interesting. But, uh, no, it was still made like during a time when all these movies, big, big epics, were coming out. So, like, there's. I, okay, I understand people might not have heard of it because I haven't won anything, but at the same time, I think when it came out, it was still a pretty big movie. And I guess just for context of like when it came out, so it was 1961, um, so very, very, very long time ago. and um, Almost movie, as close to the time not... that when it set. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's, a, that's a fact right there. That is true. Don't look that up. But uh, yeah, so it was nominated for three Oscars. It was nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Musical Score of a Drama or Comedy, and best original song, and so it wasn't nominated for any of the big, uh, big awards or anything like that. But what won best picture that year was West Side Story, okay. which I think you could say you know pretty good. But I feel like there's one in here that you do know, and two that you don't, and another one that you might know. So have you ever heard of The Hustler? Yeah, with Paul Newman. Yeah, that's the prequel. That's the first. There's a sequel of that. That's the, mo- the movie I was telling you about, The Color of Money. This was all fair. Ah, uh, okay, okay. It's all it's all about that character coming back. Anyway, that was nominated for Best Picture. A movie called Fanny. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> it's just called Fanny. And Fanny Fanny got nominated for Best Picture over Say Elsie. it one more time, Gary. I know you're Fanny. 
Um, then The Judgment at Nuremberg was nominated by Stanley Kramer. I don't know who that is. But then The Guns of Navajo. Mm-hmm. Na- no, Navarone. Sorry. Navarone. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's, yeah, that was, was going to be my next one. There you go. But um, so, yeah, so it's a bit of tough competition that year. You weren't beating Fanny. No, no way was El Cid beating Fanny. You know, you look back at a movie like Fanny and you're just like, to be honest, I didn't look at this beforehand and this is going to be the joke for the rest of the podcast. I thought it was going to be Ben Joseph. Ben Joseph. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, talk, we'll explain that as well. So, Keen, what is one why, and, and within, within the same answer, can you tell everyone a bit about what El Cid is about? It's... Basically, it's about a Spanish kind of aristocrat who is, it's around the time of like a Spanish, uh, not uprising, but a time of uh, unrest. They're about to be invaded by, like Spain is divided. It's, no, that's not true. It's underneath the control of like a proclaimed emperor, Ferdinand, I think. Mm -hmm. It's kind of loosely based on fact, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know, really. And I'm going to get all the names wrong here. I cannot remember them. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Okay. I'm going to rely on you looking up the wiki. Okay, I have the wiki here. Don't you worry. So, but it's basically, yeah, Spain's, you know. It's sorry, I just want to confirm. It's set in Spain? Just, Spe- it's Spain. No, Spain. Oh, no, Spain. no, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Es Spain. Es Spain. Thank es you. Spain. <laughs> or Spain. Spain. <laughs> it's set in Spain, man. <laughs> This no, is going to so, be a long one. Yeah, this movie's three long. hours long as well, by the way. So, <laughs> so there's civil unrest and Where? this in Spain. <laughs> okay. And uh, they're about to be invaded by like the Moors of yeah. like Morocco or North Africa. Yeah, North Northern Africa. Um, who are Muslim based, Spain's Christian, kind of that kind of whole thing, and. Uh, at the same time, Spain's like uh, divided. So like there's, they're on the brink of maybe it's like civil war, civil unrest. There's loads of kings or like vying for control. And then comes this, you know, young kind of aristocrat who is marrying the daughter of the king's champion. So that's more akin to like Game of Thrones. Like you have the, what's the character's name? It's, uh, I think it's like the king's champion there as well. Yeah. So yeah. he's marrying the daughter of this guy. And it's all about his, like, okay, we could just go straight into spoilers because otherwise it'll be really long. Oh, yeah, spoilers. So he basically, he comes across a battle and he captures loads of king or like Muslim kings or whatever. They're after killing, you know, uh, in... Emirs, I think they're called. Sorry, what's the word? Oh, emirs. E-M-I-R-S. E-M-I-R-S. He captures all these, like, Muslim kings, emirs, and Mm -hmm. uh, he spares their lives which goes against yeah. like uh protocol like all the christian king like you know lords or whatever wants him to kill them but he shows them mercy one of them pledges his service to rodrigo this uh spanish aristocrat this young spanish aristocrat rodrigo he is condemned then for having betrayed the king's orders at killing the Mus- muslims or whatever but basically the film's about his I don't know, his uh, journey through this politic, like this political thing now he's going through. Like he's being condemned for sparing the lives of Muslims, but, you know, uh, He's a good same fighter, time, so they need to keep him around. He's a good fighter. So, like, his family is shamed because, like, his dad, you know, people are saying bad things about his family now. And this f- film's all about honor um, and things like that. You know, what it, I think one of the quotes is like, you know, what is a man without honor? 
So he's basically on trial then for, you know, having saved the lives of these Muslims. But he ends up fighting the current king's champion because this guy has insulted his family's honor and his dad and he won't retake his words and he kills them. Yeah. But that also means he earns, like, the daughter's hatred, who he's in love with and is about to marry. But one thing leads to another, and he ends up being the king's champion. So it's all about his rise through power mm-hmm. and eventually becoming as close to the king as possible, even though he denies the, the responsibility or the, the honor of becoming Spain's king, even though everyone wants him to be. It's just basically about his rise through power and how he leads the Spanish people against the Muslims who are invading yeah. from North Africa. Yeah, and I guess another thing to kind of take from it as well is it's based on a real life. Um, it's funny Wikipedia calls him a warlord, and in this movie he is not. He's not represented as such. Um, much more of a, a cool, calm Charlton Heston. But um, yeah, and I guess another thing to kind of mention is that he gets the name El Cid because it's the sort of Arabic meaning for the Lord. Uh, basically, just means a sound lad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. Okay, another thing. So that's kind of a bit about, I guess, the synopsis and stuff like that. So what made you pick it then? I know you kind of said you, your, your opinion of it has sort of changed now having seen it, but I guess what was the fond memories that you'd had for it? I suppose my growth for it is that like as a kid, like all these classics I would have watched when I was young. I, was, I keep saying this repeatedly, but like as kids where we grew up, we were always outside playing with sticks and stones and stuff like swords and fighting, you know, pretend battles and stuff so this was like a classic for us to kind of model pretend and play or whatever so um you know one of us would always be like when i say us i mean my brothers so one of us would always be el sage and one of us would always be your man ben joseph who is the uh (laughs) he's the muslim king his name's not ben joseph it's ben ben yusuf Yusuf, yeah, yeah. but you we just keep, keep referring to him as Ben Joseph. <laughs> ben Joseph. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of us would always be Al Sid and one of us would be him. And it was just like this epic story of like, you know, a small time, you know, not even a lord, but a small time like aristocrat suddenly, you know, just through honor becoming almost akin to God, essentially, in some ways, like uh, thematically, because... You know, towards the end of the, the movie, in the final battle, it's like the the Muslim commander, Ben Yusuf, is like, uh, you know, you would pit this guy against our prophet Muhammad, you know. And, you know, the, the I can't remember which character actually says it, but he, they say, yes, we would. This guy epitomizes everything that we believe in, in terms of our, uh, our beliefs and our honor and our righteousness and all this kind of crap. So, you know, all of the, like, we always wanted to play either El Cid as the good guy or Ben Yusuf as the bad guy. So Yeah, and then who who had to play Shameen? <laughs> That's Elsid's wife, by the way. I know, yeah. Uh, no, or, no, I'm not, I know I know you know. <laughs> it's just For the audience. For the fifty, sixty people listening that don't know who it is. Do I get fifty I just or sixty started, people? The odd time, yeah. Oh Jesus. Slancha. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, no, you know, she ne- she never really entered into it. It was more about, like, we'd spend five no, no, minutes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. hitting each other with sticks. One of us would end up crying, usually me, and then the game would stop. So, And then who has to rush me? Shh, shh, don't tell mom, don't tell mom, don't tell mom. Uh, usually Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so that's kind of why I picked it, is because it, it, it is an epic story. It's got this epic sort of, like, 
perfect character because he is so and this is one of the things that kind of jarred me a little bit is just that watching it this time is that he he is so honorable it's nearly like man take the finger out a little bit like it's too forced in some ways because they essentially give him a crown so like at the time i think spain was split into different i don't know what you'd call them like duchies like it's not a full country yeah like it's not a it's not a full country but it's not like provinces either they're like under different kingships regions i think they're duchies duchies is another word for like a like a a small kingdom or fiefdom like uh, i've never heard of it before and i'm gonna google it see if it's a real thing and if it is i'm gonna cut this out so i don't seem stupid continue (laughs) but like he's given the crown of valencia which is the, the the like the big town that he captures to help prevent the war or help win the war. But he essentially gives it back to the king. So it's kind of like he's this honorable guy that he still, he'll do all this because it's the right thing. Um, which for me, it didn't really sit right this time around. But, you know, growing up, we loved this kind of stuff. So that's kind of why I, I love this movie and why I picked it. Yeah, and I think I think a bit of that comes from the movie. Like, he doesn't really get... As I say, he doesn't ever. He doesn't. He never sort of gets his reward for his good deeds throughout the movie. So, like, you know, he he is accused. He does. You know, he does a nice thing, like you said, sort of letting those Muslim leaders go, and then he's punished for it. And then, you know, he then is tries to defend himself, and then his um, what you call a father-in-law, you know, besmirches him and his family, and then he kills him, and then all of a sudden he loses his wife, and then he fights for his name, but then his wife doesn't love him anymore, and then. He, uh, and then he, like, he saves, he just, like, kills this rebel leader, and then he gets to marry his wife, but she doesn't want anything to do with him, and they don't consummate the marriage. Then he does something, I'll speak to this very quickly, and then he gets connected, he gets reconnected with his missus, but only at the, only at the price of him being exiled from Spain. So, like, there's always this, and then finally he wins this big battle, like you say, and then he's handed the crown, and he says no, and you're just like, man, take the win. You've been losing all movie. That's the thing, because, and he, like, Throughout the movie, so originally, like, there's this King Ferdinand who's, like, the emperor of Spain, even though it's it's self-proclaimed, I think. Yeah. Um, but then he dies. Uh, yeah, they're all saying, yeah, sure, look. I could I, I self-proclaim myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, sure, uh, you're, the, you're, you're the king of the duchy you live in. The duchy, yeah. He, uh... Basically, the king, the emperor or king or whatever he is, he dies and he, he splits his kingdom between three of his uh, children. But the eldest is like, no, no. It's all for me. Then there's a fight and it kind of leads to like a civil war. But like all the time, Rodrigo, who's the main character, uh, he he always aligns himself with the current king, even though like there's a good scene where he protects or like the younger son who has his lands taken away from him by his old brother, who is now the king. He asks him, will you not fight for us? And he's like, I, I've pledged myself to the king mm-hmm. and even though you're the king's brother i can't fight for you because it would be going against my king even though he's done something bad so he always aligns himself with what is proper even though it seems like it's the wrong thing to do yeah and then like through assassination that brother the eldest brother dies and then the younger brother becomes king and he pledges himself then to this king so he's always on you know, he's always just yeah. trying to do the right thing. It's, just, it's a bit forced. Like, you know, there was periods where I, throughout the movie where I was just like, you know, man, just 
Have an opinion. Jeez. Do the smart. Yeah, do the smart fucking thing. Like, do you know what I mean? Just, I can just see like Roy Keane be like, "Do your job. Fucking lean into it. Stop running away." <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to see it in a good light. This movie again, because I. Well, look, I'll tell you what I liked about do, it. Do please. Um, yeah. um, no, like so. I think one of the problems that I sort of had with some of your movies is they're very long and boring <sighs> and they sort of kind of just meander during the bits I think of the bridge on over the river quay or on the river quay or quay whatever we decided <laughs> what we're going to say I know the right one but I can't remember if we say the wrong one or the right one I can't remember but anyway but quite not <laughs> anyway the, um, no so but this I feel like had a not it, it was the story was always moving forward there's always something we're always moving on to the next bit even if there's a bit of like fat or a little bit like if it dips a bit the story is still always moving because like you say it is that journey of this hero well hero who's to say uh, I don't know history but through this guy throughout time so we're always kind of following there's always a bit of forward momentum there and I think throughout, there are some great character moments of kind of, like you say, some of his honor. And then there's good payoff about just around like the relationship with his with his wife. And then also the kids element in this. And then also like this sort of um, friction between the kings, the princes and like those Muslim leaders as well. So there's always something kind of happening and always something building. And I think a lot of these sort of movies we watch... I always kind of have the criticism of like, geez, this would be a better TV show. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie did the best job of like serializing or like having nearly like chapters that I feel like you could break this up into, let's say a nine episode thing based on like the three hours that are there. You could just slice them up and then you'd have a good TV show. Exactly. I I agree. And I think that's why I liked it because it was just, it felt very fresh because there are time jumps in it. Like he does one of the, actually it's very funny. One of the things, so Charlton Heston's in this, he plays the lead character, Rodrigo or El Cid. And he's the guy from Planet of the Apes. People would know him from that. And uh, amongst very other, many other things, but I think most people would kind of recognize the Planet of the Apes guy. But, he actually had a bit of umbrage with the director in that he was like, how come when time jumps, I get old and grisly and then Sophia Loren looks the same for the whole thing? <laughs> so he, he, he was very upset by that. But yeah, so like we do have the time jumps, you know what I mean? So like, you know, it is able to sort of tick off all the sort of main moments in his life. Yeah. No, like, and I, I guess you're right in that sense. I, I think my, my disgruntlement comes from... Is that a word? Disgruntlement? Or... Yeah, you can be disgruntled. And then the opposite is if you're gruntled. Oh, I've never heard that before. So what's gruntled then? I could be making that up, actually. No, I like it though. Let's work on that for a second. Gruntled. Gruntled is... So to be disgruntled... Is your, like, like perturbed or you're, like, just dis- something's bothering you. Angry or dissatisfied. Yeah. So if you're happy. So if someone's like, oh, I, had a, I was feeling very gruntled today. Oh, it is a word. It means please satisfied or, or and contented. Fantastic. I, I'd have to, I was very gruntled throughout this movie. I have to say, <laughs> I felt very gruntled. I had a gruntled time with this. Gruntled. I was a little bit disgruntled with oh, Okay, the... that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Like the, the, the plot points or like the plot or the, the direction of the the story is good. The story is fantastic. I love the story. Yes. My problem is, is with these time jumps or gaps because oh. like you're just suddenly given a piece of information and you're supposed to just accept it. Like say the, there's an assassin who kills, um, okay. So Ben, Ben Joseph meets, uh, the King, the Muslim King of Valencia. This is earlier on in the movie before, uh, Rodrigo takes Valencia, but Ben Joseph. Can we just call it, sorry, just to avoid confusion. Can we just call Charlton Heston's character Sid? Sid. The Sid. The Sid. No, just Sid. 
because he's El Cid or Rodrigo and I feel like I'll get confused and the listener will get confused and I think it's easier if we just call him Sid spelt S-I-D like the sloth from Ice Age <laughs> okay Rodrigo of Vivar the Go- El Cid <laughs> I have to say that did not gruntle me I did not I, I do not have a gruntle okay, time so, with that statement uh, then you, Joseph Yusuf is uh, he's meeting the current Muslim king of Valencia early on in the movie or halfway through it's hard to know yeah and he's like, you have to hold Valencia so you can let me and all my armies land on the beach and so we can invade. And he's doing this just after the emperor has died and there's this civil war unrest between his sons, like who gets what and, you know, all this, the division of power. And uh, he, like the current king of Valencia, the Muslim king, he's like, how can we, you know, how can we do this? How can we get them to destroy themselves? And like Ben Joseph is just like, we can use this guy. And this guy, there's nothing said about him in that scene. It's just like this guy, who, who's this guy? You know, it, it bothered me. There was no, there was no, uh, we haven't seen him before. There was no. So I've realized what your problem with this three hour movie is. You think it should have been longer to flesh out. Exactly. <laughs> no, you can't <laughs> say that. You can't say this three hour movie wasn't long enough. You psychopath. There is some movies out there that go over the 20 hour mark. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch them just for the sake of it. But this movie, there is too many bits Fucking not explained. That's my problem with okay. it. Okay, you want this movie to be more fleshed out. You want this movie set over like 50 years to go more in detail. Exactly. Like, who are death. these guys? They were, they were just given Doesn't to us. Doesn't matter. He's an assassin. What but you they didn't even him? tell us that he was an assassin. He, they didn't even say... Got, well, look, he was going to assassinate No, they didn't even that say that. Assassin. He was just like, we'll use this guy. And then you're like, yeah. for what? <laughs> right. Ah, Ken. And then ah, when he assassinates you, man, you're like, ah, oh, he's going to assassinate him. But it's not said. Yeah, bit of a twist. Uh, no. No, there was loads of little bits like that where okay. it's just not explained. You just take this and accept it. And you're like, yeah, but it just... I And I understand that there's some parts of movies okay. that are like that, but this one felt really out of place. Or in this movie, those bits felt really out of place. They were cut and pasted. Yeah, and I will say there was, there was some um, parts about the writer not being up to scratch. And I think... Um, there was, I know Sophia Loren had problems with her script and got someone to fly to Spain like two days before they started shooting to try Spain. and get um, a Spain, sorry, excuse me, uh, to get, to get, uh, to get some of her dialogue rewritten as well. And they had to bring in, then they had to bring in another person to like rewrite the romantic scenes and stuff. So it is a bit of a mess. And I think also as well that like from the direction perspective as well, and the reason I'll bring up the director is because I know Heston wasn't a big fan of your man, Andrew Mann. He wanted, man. um, yeah, your man, Andrew Mann. Uh, Mr. Man, and uh, he Heston wanted to bring in the guy who did um, Spartacus mm. with him, a guy. No, not Spartacus with him. Yeah, no, wait, Spartacus. Yeah, or Ben Hur. What one did he do? No, did he? I think he. Uh, look, he wanted. Uh, yes, he did. He wanted the guy from Ben Hur. He wanted William Wyler to come in and do it, but there was some problem with the studio or something like that. There was a load of different disgruntled people after this. You know, people weren't very <laughs> gruntled after this movie. Let's just say that. Uh, and I think the writing was some of that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I 100% agree. But like, I think it was because I was just, I was kind of learning as I was going. So I was always engaged and I was always kind of interested. Yeah. Like I said, it is a long movie. It, it, the pacing is 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 a bit rough. But I, I definitely think the first, the first half I had a fun time with. Um, I think like him having to try and build up and earn his name again. Yeah. That, that, that scene, the jousting scene, was Class. incredible. Yeah. 
That like that like it, that came it was sixty one. How many years ago is that? Many Before years. I get my maths wrong again. It was. It's, it's a. <laughs> is it sixty two years ago? It's roughly sixty two it years be. ago. Who knows? That was. That stuff was as thrilling as and tense as what you'll get now. And what I actually loved about that's is either that scene or the scene between Sid and your man's dad, the the, the other king's yes. champion. Yeah, that yeah. sword fight, although not maybe technically proficient at sword fighting, the actors might not have been. The tension and why I loved it was there was no score. It there's was no dialogue. The sound, there's no dialogue. There's no score. It's just the two swords like battering off each other. And like there's it sort of initially starts as like, you know, them just kind of like kind of threatening each other and just trying to be like, uh, be careful, I might fucking kill you. And then as the fight goes on, it's very much like, no, you've pissed me off now. I, I do plan to kill you now here today. So. No, like I agree. Like some of those, and I, I said to you like off, off air, like that, like I have this movie split into particular points or like sections where, because I think a lot of my uh, disgruntlement with this movie comes from, <laughs> comes from um, you know the, the pacing or the, the 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 set like the scenes just happening. But I the more I think about it, the more it's like a, it remind like I, I'm not a literary person at all, like in terms of plays or whatever. But it reminds me of when I was reading like. Uh, Macbeth in in oh, school. King's read Macbeth. I'm not. I'm not. It, but what I remi- remember from it is that like suddenly Doth thou readeth Shakespeare oft. <laughs> thou thou didst <laughs> no. Thou hast gruntled me today, sir. Oh, that sounded weird. Never yeah, mind. I cut I that. that. <laughs> but what I was reminded from, or like what reminded me of it, is that. Uh, you know, suddenly you're, you're given the end of a, like a certain scene. And I don't mean like a, a, a major scene. I mean, like a, after 10 minutes, you're given a scene. At the end of that, it splits to something completely separate. And I got the same. So in that sense, yeah. I was like, this is a, consider it like nearly a movie adaption of like a play or like a, a historical story in that sense. And it kind of made me feel a little bit better about the movie. But um, like, okay. but yeah, like. That, that's all I have wrong. Like, the only thing I don't like about the movie is this thing. Like, but everything else, like you said, I, I, I love the, the sword fighting scene. It's class. And especially some of the quotes. Like, the character is... I know I have something, like, he's a bit righteous. But at the same time, like, some of the things are really, really cool. Like, that sword fight scene with um, his father-in-law is, is fantastic. Because it's not even that they piss each other off. They realize that it's all about honor. Your man is not going to back down. He's not going to take back his words against uh, mm-hmm. the Sid's father because he he can't. It's a, it's a matter of honor. I've said these words. I mean them. And I can't take them just to make you feel better. I can't take them back, sorry, just to make you feel better. And I can't gruntle you here today, sir. Exactly. And the Sid's like, but I'm, I will actually beg. I will beg you. He puts himself down on yeah. the ground and says, I will beg you, just take them back. Because he knows that if he doesn't, He's going to fight him. Yeah. And he does, and he kills him. And then, well, eventually he becomes the king's champion, so it works out in the end. But I mean, yeah, it, works out fine. he earns but his what, wife's so, hatred. Exactly, yeah. But I, it's really interesting. You keep saying the word, he earned her hatred. I just, rather than saying, like, she fucking despised him because she killed her dad. It's just like, what he earned from that was her hatred. Um, but no, it's very funny in the sense of, so what I loved about this scene was, he had to, he then had to fight another guy. 
oh no, so what happened was, these like, these other people come to like the king and be like, hey, we're taking this land, fucking let's have it. And then be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would, why would we risk war when we could just have my champion versus your champion? Exactly. And, and then, so Sid takes up the king's champion and the other people give him their champion. But then his wife or his girlfriend, soon to be wife, is all like, hey, invading army's champion you're my dude fucking murder this guy take my colors yeah take my colors and uh what's great is so there's this big like i said big jousting scene really intense very skillful in seeing these guys i know it wasn't actually charlton has after each other like on the horse on the horse grabbing the joust fucking hitting each other going to get the other joust like it was all so shit can you imagine the weight of those yeah and then the scene that blew my mind is Charlton Heston's stunt double gets run over by a horse like like plowed by like there's no hiding it it's not a dummy if it is it's a great dummy for 1961 there is an actor who just gets plowed by a horse yeah. insane but anyway what I loved about this was so the Sid wins and what's great is the king's like oh well well the Sid has murdered this this champion which means he possibly he possibly couldn't have killed the other guy so he's <laughs> off the hook look at him display his murderous tendencies there's no way he could have done that earlier in the movie <laughs> so now I will proclaim him my champion <laughs> you are my champion please feel free to to marry any woman you hate but one of my one of my like my favorite points in the movie was like when I seen this like so in terms of jousting, and I've watched this from like a few Robin Hood movies as well and other historical movies, but like when eventually all the jousts are broken and if you're both still alive, it becomes a sword fight. You get off your horses yeah. and you have a sword fight. If the swords are also gone or they're disarmed or whatever, you're given an additional weapon. In this joust, it was two monstrous fucking swords yeah. my god two swords you'd expect to see in like world of war my god they were huge they're like i think they're called great swords <laughs> they're what? they were huge great swords great swords they're about like six foot in length oh and well, that's like, incorrect but all right cool i don't know i don't know but they were literally the size of these guys they're and called just, gruntles <laughs> gruntles they were Sharp huge gruntles. and the lads were just swinging them around battering each other with them like i don't know it was crazy it was a bit, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was class. But also, anyway, so just to kind of maybe cap off that sort of relationship with his missus, because she fucking despises him. And he's just like, hey, what's wrong? I killed the champion for you. We're like, what's, what's going on? She's like, you still killed me, da. I'm not going to get <laughs> over that. And then he gets exiled and he's having the time of his life. He, he goes over to a leper, gives some, some water. To, I thirst, sir. I, I thirst. <laughs> and he's being said that he's got all of his shit on the back of a horse. He's ready to go. And then who pops up other than his, his wife? Being like, you know what? You're actually pretty. You're actually pretty sound. I'll stick around with you, buddy. And him being like, oh, Jesus, I'm only after getting a bit of peace and quiet. I don't know what this Dublin accent's doing here. I watched. I watched intermission this morning, so <laughs> I'm feeling very patriotic to Dublin. <laughs> Get out of the fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but he's off and he's riding off into the distance. With his horse, his bits and bobs, and he's having the time of his life. He looks happy. It's it's a peaceful scene. Yeah, for the first time in the movie. And then he meets the leper. Yeah. Bit of crack. How are you? Do you want some water? And he gives him some water, and the leper's like, my name's Lazarus. What's the crack? Thanks for the water. See you later. And then his wife just suddenly appears, who hates him. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's all like bring back the leper <laughs> no and then it's just like 
they have the grand old time. But from then on, it's just like, because he's exiled, but also because he humbled the king by making him swear that he didn't plot his brother's death. Like, he gets so many followers around Spain. Yeah, so this this, this is my favorite thing. So... Like I said, the man can't take a win. So uh, he's been pining for this. He had this woman, then she ki- he killed her dad, and then she hated him for so long. And then he finally gets her back, even though he doesn't want her back, but now they're back together again. And they move into this house. Someone knocks at the door, and it's about 5,000 soldiers. And then what's he do? And then the soldier's like, oh, come on with us, Sid. Come on, we're going we're gonna to fucking go at it. Let's go. And then she's like, don't. I've, li- I've lost you to my country before. I can't lose you again. And then what does he do? He finally has his missus back and he's like, bye, <laughs> just writes off. I actually love that scene though because it's, it's uh, she she's all like, no, she knows immediately. You can see it in her face. Like she knows what this is. Like he's in exile, wakes up one morning and there's like thousand soldiers outside his door. Oh, fucking Tuesdays, am I right? Oh, stop. And uh they're all shouting the seed and she she knows immediately what this means and uh she's like like why would you ask this of him he's done enough he's given enough he's given everything he's had and all this and then it's a really tense scene and they're all shouting his name or the seed and uh he's just there and he's holding her and he's just like for spain man i need to do it for spain <laughs> no keen it's for for Spain. A, a Spain. <laughs> a Spain. It's a, it's a really good, like, all jokes aside, it's a really good scene because it's just like, yeah. man, he knows the country's fucked. He knows that they're about to be invaded by however many Muslims from North Africa and the country's just completely divided. They have a weak king. He knows the job that needs to be done. Let's go fucking do it. You know, it's a... Uh, oh, I, I, like, I liked it. It was a good scene. Again, it's all about like his honor, and he knows what he has to do, or what's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's 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 the it's, it's the sort of like patriotism and sheer love of country that Eddie Hobbs displayed to Ireland during the recession. He was like, "Lads, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix it all." I'll tell you. <laughs> Don't be buying your lattes, anyway. But um, this uh, this brings me on to my next point. Uh, not about Eddie Hobbs, although you know me, I could talk about Eddie Hobbs for hours. But the scale of this movie. This movie had far too much funding. It says the budget is between six to nine million dollars. That's incorrect. There's no way it only costs that much because this movie is bonkers in regards to everything about it. So Time Magazine have come out and said, not recently, but back in the day, has said that the movie required 7,000 extras, 10,000 costumes, 35 ships, 50 outsize engines of medieval war, whatever that means, and four of the noblest old castles in Spain, Ampudia, Belmonte, Peniscola, and Tor... See, I copy and paste these and I never read it. Torrelobogia. I can't remember. Are you, are, you, are you reading off like a word document? No, it's like a Ouija board. I'm, I'm letting the spirits guide me to the letters. I thought you just read it directly off Wikipedia. I didn't actually know you put some no, actual I, work I, into I actually, it. I, yeah, <laughs> I, put, I, put, I put work in this, believe it or not. I actually put prep into these games. Anyway, when you watch this movie, they do not spare any expense. They li- it's, it, it, it's fantastic because at no point do I ever feel taken out of the story because you're watching a big battle and there's a big battle happening with big armies there's they're in the old castles like like and ev- like the, the the shots aren't placed and the the camera isn't placed in places to sort of um you know cheapen the look of anything it's always trying to present you big scale 
and historical accuracy. And I think that's what you have to give the movie a lot of credit for, is that they really make a lot of effort into keeping you in the story with the costumes, with the character, with the extras, with the, with the locations as well. But then I read about the funding, where apparently the movie was partially funded by the fascist regime of General Francisco Franco, and it was heavily promoted as pro-Franco propaganda when it was released in Spain. And Franco actively supported Nazi Germany and fascist <laughs> Italy in during World War II, although he did, uh, although he did not formally join the Axis of Power, despite writing to Hitler offering to join the war on June nineteenth, nineteen. 1940. That's all. Don't get into that. We all take it. We all take a job from a fascist leader. No, I won't get into that. Um, (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) um, No, no, you're right. Like some of the like looking at the siege engines used in the few battles, like they like they're all real. Like all the catapults or ballistas or the towers, like and the men having to drag them and push them in costumes and armor. Yeah. So I was like, man, they might go work. On a beach. Yeah. On a beach. On a beach. Yeah. Like fucking hell. Mm. Like And the horses. I know that sounds like a there's so many fucking horses in this as well. Yeah. That's why I think it like And it's not CGI like fucking They're not CGI'd. They're I, I the lads from Rohan like have... in Lord of the Rings. Do you know? Yeah. It's actually it is actually jaw dropping. Some of the some of the shots that they are able to pull off in this, based on the scale they have of just back in the day, where they could just pump so much money into this sort of stuff, it was crazy. Yeah, no, like it it was like to be fair, it was really well done, and it like in my opinion, it's got a a much more authentic feel to how a battle would actually play out than if you're watching uh, Lord of the Rings or yes, no, it's like yeah, yeah. this is historical fiction versus just fiction fiction, but at the same time. Like the numbers, you don't see like a hundred thousand soldiers. You see maybe like ten thousand, or you know, between five thousand and ten thousand soldiers, or something like that. You know, it's, yeah. they're not astronomical numbers, but at the same time, when you actually see that many real men with the amount of horses, not just not just men, real, real men, 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 men going out there to kill people, <laughs> yay! Like Ben Joseph, like my God, like Ben, jo- <laughs> and the Sid, like oh. It was class. No, like those battle scenes are class. It is. It's epic, epic, and and it's not. That's not me calling it epic. That's the words of one Martin Scorsese. As when the movie was re-released in 1993, he said it was one of the greatest epic films ever made. But like in your like, okay, so in your opinion, then how many movies have you like watched that are like this that you can compare them to? You know, uh, like for me, I've watched many movies like this. So I, I have a sense of comparison, but like for old movies, war scenes or costume or like, can't, like what's your opinion on it in terms of comparisons? Like what can you compare it to? Or, you know, what like you liked, I'm surprised that you liked it in that sense, you know? Yeah. Like, is it for its authenticity or why? It was just, a, I, I, like, I don't know if it's authentic. I like I, I, like I said, I didn't do enough research into how much of this is real how much of it like the fact that he's described as a warlord on wikipedia makes me think he probably wasn't the nicest dude um but you're like a warlord (laughs) you're going around the country ah yeah exactly yeah but in regards to other movies like it like it's really interesting so something like the searchers and something like um bridge over the river quay as well quay i can't remember what we say we didn't talk about that last time uh quay's that i couldn't tell you they had stunning visuals 
uh, like searches especially. And, you know, they had the big battles and they built the big town. That was fine. Um, something like this, the, the bridge. The bridge was breathtaking. That explosion, that was great. Something like Lawrence of Arabia, it's kind of similar to that, I would kind of describe. And so I don't think in quality, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely think in some of those big scenes, the production, the scale of the production, I think I would definitely kind of chalk it up with that. But after that, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Like... I can't think of anything this big scale. But you say, even compared to like modern movies, say, I don't know if you've seen like... Uh... Okay, put it this way. Like, put it this way. I went to go watch the new Mission Impossible movie and that is breathtaking action, but you can tell it's CGI. And, I, and like, not that it takes away from it, but it's just like, this doesn't... Like, I was so in the story in this movie compared to Mission Impossible... Dead Reckoning Part 1, which was because I, I could just see the CGI. I just knew it was CGI, but it didn't take me out of it too much, but I could tell what it was. Where it was this, it was just like I was always in the story because realistically somewhat this is what it looked like back then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, that's the thing. Like In terms of like historical fiction, I don't know if you've watched things like um, The Last Kingdom or Vikings or... No, no. I don't know. They're, they're series, but like movies, say like Rob, the Robin Hood like with uh, Russell Crowe, that move... R- the Ridley Scott one now. Or, the, like, when they use armies in battles, they're always a bit more tempered. Like, there's less soldiers than you'd expect. It's not like, okay, they're epic films but or series, but, like, they use realistic numbers, which is really, is really appealing to me because you know they're not taking the piss. You know, you know they've done their research. Like, 300 men or women with swords and armor and horses, that's a lot. Like, yeah. or say, no, one movie you've seen that I, I think, I know you've seen it is... Um, Braveheart. I know you know it's not historically accurate, but in terms of the numbers for the battle scenes, it's actually pretty representative. Do you know, like... Yeah, it's just not a good movie. No, but just for the sake of uh, the battle scenes and the work. But actually, do you know what I would actually compare it to? I'm just kind of doing some background research here, literally background research. Uh, Do you ever watch The King on Netflix? Yes, that's a great movie. That, I think, is probably the most, the best modern sword and shield mm-hmm. sort of battle numbers I've seen in a, a long time. And then the only sort of other recent war movie that I would recommend people kind of that are, is very good for scale is All Quiet in the Western Front on Netflix. That's, that's well, yeah, that's a, re- that's a remake. Ooh, that was good as it's well. It's a remake, but it's yeah, epic. Yeah. There was, a, there was one version, but that one, that's that's epic in, in every sense of the word. But yeah, The King, probably that. And then actually The Last Duel, but not really, there's no... Nah, the last Jill's battles aren't as good as else. Now, okay. Another thing about El Cid's battles, though, is... So, another th- remember I mentioned that Charlton Heston was very mm-hmm. upset with the director. And that, that apparently came to, um, what you call it, a front when it came to the last scene, the epics, the big epic battle scene. Was it because, Quiet Front? Sorry? Was it a Quiet Front? A Quiet Front. <laughs> um, but it was all... Um, Charlton Heston wanted the stunt director to come in and direct those scenes. But your man, Andrew Mann had said that he wanted to do that. He was insistent that he did it. And I think that kind of shows because th- it was kind of like all the extras. And again, I'm not, this is not a diss per se, but it's just like, it just felt like all the extras were told to kind of run at each other and just like clash shields. And there was no like epic emotion or storytelling kind of happening within hmm. the battle. That like, again, the scale, the epicness of it, like that was what I took away from it. But I think it could have been elevated with if there was more kind of set pieces within it that you could sort of resonate with with and sort of understand the story okay. of a bit better. Like, obviously, there's the scene, where again, we're in spoilers now, where El Cid, Cid gets shot with the arrow. But that's the only thing I really remember. What did you think of that? Because it's just a stray arrow from a ship. Like, it's 
I love that. I kind of like that. I was just like, look, you're it's going no one to be- important. It's no yeah. one. I like. I love that. I like that, and that's probably what happened. But like, how many times in movies is it like a special person? Ba- like, yeah, yeah, the two of them face off in a one-on-one sword fight, and everyone else is kind of a random doing anything. Whereas realistically, someone with a bow and arrow and a sword would just fucking throw a spear at the the fucking leader, Sid, and be like, "Let's just kill him." I'm not like, "Let's just get that done." Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, so Sid gets Sid gets an arrow. So this is like this goes back to what Keem was saying about them. Tro- this, this all this battle all happens. At the, they're holding off Valencia. They're trying to like hold it away from the Moors. And um yeah, Sid just gets fucking hit with an arrow. Random. That's it. Now, it's not it, but like that that's the end of his story in a way. And like it's just it's great. I got I was like, fuck it, I liked it. Well, like physically, yes, thematically, no. Like the last the very last like scene, because that's say the second last day, and then the last day. Like, what did you think of that? Okay. Like so- for me, like it was it was really strange. Like I got it from a like a thematic sort of point of view, or I don't even know what the word would be. But like it was pretty class. So for the listener, but... what happens? What happens is El Cid gets hit with the old arrow to the heart, and then his sort of forces are demoralized because Cid's been killed, and then the sort of invasion, uh, the in, like the what you call it, invading forces are like, great, we've killed El Cid. Let's fucking get this done. So his wife then comes up with the idea of like I think it's his wife. In real life, but basically, they're just really like, we can take the arrow out. This is the night after the battle. He retreats, and they're like, we can take the arrow out now. He might die. He might live, but he'll lose a lot of fucking blood, and he will have to stay put. Or we can leave it in, and he'll be able to walk around for a bit. He'll be able to, you know, do some bits and bobs, but eventually he's going to die. There's no way. If it stays in, he's going to die. But... Mm. If we take it out now, yeah. he will either live or he'll die immediately. So they leave it in and he has a chance to cover it and then go out and show that his troops, show to his troops that he's still alive, raise their morale again, you know, and he's going to say to them, look, yeah, sorry, you, you I cut across you. You go on. No, I, like, so, um, so yes, yeah, so what happens is he, um, as far as I'm aware, is he not dead on the horse? He is, yeah. No, yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. makes sure to tell them that Look, the, the point was that he wants enough time to be able to tell them that I will ride out tomorrow to battle with you. I will do that. Yeah. So do not give up. But yeah. he does die. Yeah, so what happened was they put like a metal frame on, on his back effectively to prop him up. A spear in his hand. <laughs> and then they just put him on a horse. They slap the horse like, go on, get out there. And then the horse just runs in a straight line. And everyone's like, yeah, I'll sit back, baby. And then like the forces and then like the horse stops very thematically at the gates after it's opened and the invading forces see it and the sun shines down on lighting them and it's just like a, a big, you know, swell of the of, of the incredible score. And the invasion force the invading forces are just like, Well, we fucked this. He's still alive. And um the movie then ends on a high of just They route the enemies. Big. Yeah. Telling you, Ben Joseph, he's some some boy. Okay, and this is another thing. Again, we'll wrap this up in a sec. But like, are they the bad guys? They're not no. really the bad guys. No, like, uh, I don't think. I think everyone's the thing bad is, guys. In this. It's kind of alluded to in the movie that at this point in Spain, the like Spain, sorry, Spain, um, there's already. I don't know if I have no idea historically. The Moors are actually uh, like a not a like is it a religious minority or I I don't know how to phrase this properly. 
No, so as far as I'm aware, I, I, I could I could be having this completely wrong, but it's it's I know Moors is a term used by a lot of just Europeans to describe people from um the sort of North Africa, Sicily, Malta, that sort of region, like all that kind of like Europe, North Mediterranean, Africa, South European sort of okay. Muslims and is uh, yeah Muslims. Um, so I don't think it it specifically um. But see, this is the thing. Like in the movie, like Spain has, I mean, Spain has, uh, like not just Christian, but a lot of uh, the Muslim peoples in it. So this guy coming up, Ben Joseph from North Africa, is like you don't like our point of view. No, like nowadays, it could it, it, the story could equally be told from the other side. You know. I, I, that's what I mean. You know what I mean? And I like, it's funny. So this movie is actually banned in a lot of Muslim countries because, uh, exactly. Like it's, it's not, sort of you know, of the Moors the uh, it could be told either way, really. Yeah. The whole point is that, you know, El Cid, I don't know if this is true or not, but like early on when he saved the lives of those emirs, he gained the loyalty of one of the Kings who keeps coming to his aid throughout the movie. So like, and there's one scene where they gather, like after he has, uh, he's been in exile and he's coming out of exile again and he's gained all his followers and this new army. He also joins up with this, uh, I can't remember his name, Monomet or uh, what's his name? I uh, can't remember, but he like, this is the guy that he saved. Like he, yeah, he, yeah, he spares his life and they remain friends throughout the movie. And there's one scene like where they're sharing a battle camp and the lads are just having to crack. They're like, yeah. you know, who needs, you know, segregation when you could have this? And it's just yeah. all the lads in the camp having to crack beers, messing around, mock fighting. Like, it's class, you know. Yeah. And I think that was the point of the movie. Not to say that, like, Christians are, you know, were more, like, historically more powerful than the Muslims or that. But either way, the point of the movie was to say that it would be better if there was no fighting at all, you know. Yeah, no, no, 100%, yeah. And I think that literally yeah. happened to the first scene of the movie where, um, like you say, um, El Cid is helping your man out. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I had a fun-ish time with it. Again, I went in with the lowest of expectations, so I was pleasantly surprised by it. So I think we should end this because it's too long. And I know, I know you could talk for another five hours about this movie and really get into the nitty-gritty, but I've placed to be... And I feel like we've, we've we've definitely, you know, tested... How long the, are we going for? Uh, too long, I'd say. I, I don't see a timer here, Gary. It'll be <laughs> 10 minutes for the amount I've drunk. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> I think it's way longer than that. Uh, Keen, anything else to add before we wrap up? Oh, okay. It's just, it's a uh, pleasure. Pleasure as always. Um, yeah. A gruntled time. I, a gruntled. I know, I've always have a gruntled time with you on this podcast, Keen. I know, I know. And, uh... Yeah, that's it. We won't, uh, that's it. Yeah, next time. Next time. Right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, we are... Thank you very much to Mr. Keane O'Driscoll for coming back and doing another classic with Keane. And Apologies for uh, any incoherency. So. <laughs> that's a lot of apologising to do. Uh, I also want to thank anyone who's listened to this or any of the other ones. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, there's a few ways you can do it. You can follow the Instagram at, at Reading in the Peers on Instagram. You can also have the clips on TikTok. The full episodes go up on YouTube as well if you're not already listening there. You also can follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, the link is in the description. Keen doesn't have Letterboxd yet, but I'll convince him to do it one day. There's many different ways you can contact the podcast. Either What's Letterboxd? Oh, fuck off. There's many different ways you can contact the um... 
<laughs> the podcast. You can uh, message into the Q&A on Spotify. You can comment on YouTube or you can email readingofthepeers at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe and follow for more episodes. I think that's it, Keenan. I don't know anything else. No, at all. Uh, pleasure as always. The outro's gotten shorter, okay? I've, I've jazzed it up. I think no, it's no, it's, it's not. You're just talking faster. <laughs> <laughs> you just talk too fast. Yeah, I, I don't even listen to your intro or your outro anymore. I just can't. <laughs> okay, that's hurtful. I'm feeling a bit disgruntled there. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, just I don't know. Okay, me and you know. jousting. Let's go. Let's go. Get your horse. Get your jousts. I'll get my weird Six helmet with a little sword. fucking horse or another <laughs> fucking castle. Thing. Be grand. Yeah. <laughs> Me and you. Bring it.